Would someone be willing to die for something that they knew they were lying about? Is it possible that a group of men would all die for a lie they created? Jesus' disciples all died for their belief that he rose from the dead. What would compel them to die for this reason? That's what we'll be discussing today in Christ, Culture, and Coffee. This is Christ, Culture, and Coffee, an apologetics podcast to help equip Christians to engage the culture through biblical, critical thinking. Your hosts for this podcast are Robbie Lashua and Tyler Hurley. Robbie is pastor of apologetics at Desert Springs Community Church, as well as professor of apologetics, worldview, and ethics at Mission Bible Institute. He is a graduate of Phoenix Seminary, as well as a graduate of the Master's in Christian Apologetics program at Biola University. Tyler is currently earning his undergraduate degree in theology at Grand Canyon University and currently serves as an apologetics intern at Desert Springs Community Church. Hello, we are back with Christ, Culture, and Coffee. And again, we are continuing with more evidence for the resurrection because there is so much that, like we said last week, we could literally make an entire podcast off of this if Mm -hmm. we wanted. There, uh, uh, it's just crazy. This whole process of going through the resurrection evidences through this podcast is really, uh, and I hope it's been an encouragement to you listeners, but I mean, this has just been an encouragement to me as well, because uh, even though I've already studied all of this with Robbie before and um, uh, learned this throughout the past few years, I, I, it's just really cool and prepped my heart for Easter and seeing mm-hmm. all of this evidence piled up for the resurrection. And uh, it kind of, every time I go back to it, it restores confidence in my faith of realizing, you know, this guy really did rise from the dead. Yeah, it's so <laughs> funny because I've, I've, you know, I've taught this stuff. I've studied this or printed out notes yeah. from stuff that I have. And I'm like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, oh, it's, that's, it's, it's just, it is. It's, there's so much of it, right? You can't mm-hmm. remember it all all the time. That's why it's important to uh, keep going back to these things yes. and to reflect and meditate on it and think about it. Like it's, I mean, it is. It's huge. Yeah. Yeah. It's good for your soul. So, um, but yeah, so for today, uh, the topic that we'll be discussing is going to be, did Jesus's disciples believe he rose from the dead? Mm. Now, short answer is yes, but, <laughs> but how do we know? How right? do we know? Yeah, yeah. How do we know? Yep. And before we get into that, we want to do coffee, coffee tip. Because this is Christ's culture and coffee. Yep. Emphasis on the Christ. A little emphasis on the coffee, right? Yes. Big emphasis on the Christ. But the coffee tip for today is this. And I think that I thought this was just really funny when I saw it. Um, So Starbucks is regarded as the largest retail coffee chain in the world, right? Mm. I mean, they put coffee on the map. Kind of, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, um, there, there's an estimate of over fifteen thousand stores worldwide, and that's growing all the time. You oh, know, yeah. These stats will be out of date really soon. Um, but this is what's funny about it: Starbucks <laughs> coffee, right? That's what they're called, Starbucks coffee. Yeah. Uh, Starbucks actually sells more milk than they sell coffee. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I think that that's, that's so funny. Yeah, we should call them Starbucks leche, right? <laughs> <laughs> Starbucks milk. Well, it's probably because people have only like what, like one shot of espresso and then a whole bunch of yeah, milk. Yeah, a latte, right? It's a little yeah. bit of coffee and a whole bunch of milk. But by volume, they sell more milk than they actually that's sell interesting. coffee. I didn't know that. Yeah, I thought that that was so, wow. so funny. <laughs> Stat. So, uh, yeah, we call it a coffee house, but it's more like a milk house. Uh <laughs> Anyway. Dairy house. Dairy house. Yeah. Oh, man. 
It's so funny. So I thought that was interesting. So, some people have said that um, one of the reasons that they sell more milk than coffee is because they roast their beans so dark, you know, because mm. they're all about that deep, rich, dark flavor. Yeah. And they burn their beans somewhat to get it. And so some people have said the reason they sell so much milk is because they burn their beans so much and people need to, you know, water it down with milk so they can tolerate it. <laughs> Wow, that's so, crazy. Yep. So next time you go to Starbucks, just remember that that they actually sell milk. That's their number one seller, uh, that's, not that's coffee. That's crazy. Yep. So yeah. funny coffee tip for today. Yeah, yeah, that's great. And so, uh, Robbie, you uh, have a, a bit of a good kickstart here to this topic. So yeah. again, G- did Jesus' disciples believe he rose from the dead? Well, yeah. When we look at this right. from a historical standpoint, there there are two main reasons that the majority of even critical scholars agree mm-hmm. that Jesus' disciples did believe he rose from the dead. Uh, the first reason is that the disciples themselves claimed that Jesus appeared to them. So we yeah. know they said the dude showed up to us after he rose from the dead. Uh, the second reason is because after uh, his death by crucifixion, uh, something happened to the disciples that radically transformed them, right? You remember they were like really fearful. They all scattered when he got arrested. Yeah. They, you know, they, they denied him, right? Peter denies him three times. Something happened shortly after his arrest Um, To the point where they were willing to go through torture, martyrdom. I mean, they got scourged, right? They got Mm. imprisoned. They got beaten. They got stoned. They got eventually, you know, crucified upside down, shoved off the top of the temple, on and on and on. All these different methods of, of dying. And they all died martyrs. They all died claiming, sincerely believing Jesus rose from the dead. Yes. So what accounts for those two facts? They say he showed up to them, and then they kind of backed it up with their life. They were willing to die for the belief that Jesus showed up to them. So how can we uh, trace these claims of, of, of Jesus' resurrection back to the disciples? How do we know that they claimed it? How do we know they really believed it, right? And that's what we want to look at. So Tyler, you're going to talk a little bit about how we know that they claimed it. Yes. Yes. So that's, that's a really crucial point to to the, the evidence pieces of this. And we can conclude that the disciples of Jesus claimed that he rose from the dead and appeared to them from nine independent sources broken up into three categories. That's huge, because remember, yes. when we're doing history, we want to have multiple independent sources. Yes, that, that, that's really important. We talked about that a couple episodes ago as well, mm-hmm. of why that's important. It just it makes it more verifiable. And for Jesus' disciples believing he rose from the dead, we have nine independent sources. Yes, and again, these are broken up into three different categories. And so uh, one, one here that we have is from Paul. Uh, and again, this is uh, one of the letter, letters of Paul that's uh, agreed upon that Paul wrote this mm-hmm. by both Christians and non-Christian scholars. Yep, everyone agrees. Yes. Uh, and it, said, it says in 1 Corinthians 15, 11 through 12, uh, whether then it was I or they, so we preached and you believed. Now, if Christ is preached that he has been raised from the dead, how do some among you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? Mm-hmm. Right. And so, and the emphasis on that is Paul saying whether it was I or they, yeah. so we preached. And the they he's referring to is the disciples. Yeah, yeah. And so, it's so Peter. Yeah. He's verifying, like, yeah, I or they, like, yeah, like, we basically... Like, like we believe that we, yeah. we believed in the risen Christ. That's what he's saying here. He's claiming yeah. Peter believes 
Jesus rose from the dead. Yes, yeah. yeah. So that's one independent source that Peter believed Jesus rose from the dead. Right, right. And then um, uh, something that's interesting about Paul, too, is he, he also claimed that his own authority— uh, was equal to that of the other apostles through this. Mm-hmm. So, uh, we, I mean, we find this in all sorts of passages uh, throughout his letters. And uh, it's just, um, that's important to, to, to know, is that he has the authority in this. And, and and what he's claiming is that he and the other apostles are all saying the same thing, right? Yeah. We, I have the authority, but we're all on the same page here. Right. Jesus rose from the dead. And so that is, in Paul's le- words, he's claiming the disciples believed Jesus rose from the dead. Yes, yes. And now, again, um, we, have a, we have further evidence of Jesus appearing to, um, to other disciples that we see also in Paul's letters. And so uh, in part of uh, 1 Corinthians 15, um, we see that Paul—I uh, mean, sorry, that Paul, not Paul—that Jesus had appeared to Cephas. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yes. In 1 Corinthians 15, yep. Yeah, yeah. And then what's fascinating, too, is like we just see— uh, that uh, that we talk like basically this creed. Remember, we talked about it uh, being very early and received from Peter and James, right? Mm-hmm. Right. And then the critics uh, would concede and say that the formulation of this creed material it was formed about uh, six months to three years after the events of the death and resurrection of Jesus. So, so this is a really early source. Yeah, and it predates the book of Corinthians, right? And that's why, that's what's interesting. So in in 1 Corinthians 15, 11, you have Paul saying the disciples believed it, but then you have this creed that's older than Paul's writings because he's quoting it. And so this is an oral tradition. Yes, yes. So we have Paul (laughs) claiming the disciples believed it, but then the second source we have, independent source, is this oral tradition that the disciples believed Jesus rose from the dead, where it talks about he appeared to Cephas and then to the twelve. Yes. And those 12 are the disciples, right? Yeah, that's, and that's important. That's who it was, yep. Because, that's again, that's another uh, testimony of Jesus appearing before them that they believed. Mm-hmm. And so uh, we know that Paul received this creed uh, from his 15-day stay in Jerusalem with Peter and James, uh, about which was about five to six years after the death of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And so the question is, what did Peter and James claim? Mm-hmm. And that that claim was that they believed that Jesus rose and appeared to Peter and the twelve and to more than five hundred brethren to James and to all the apostles. Yep, that's what they were saying happened to them. Yeah, and yeah, it's and embedded in this oral tradition in First Corinthians fifteen. Yeah, yeah, and that that's really important. So that, that again, that's a verifiable eyewitness of Jesus mm-hmm. being. Uh, I mean, sorry, of the conversion of the disciples writing about it. We have like this evidence here that... They claimed they saw him rise from the dead. Yeah, 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 And that's what we're trying to find out. So we have Paul saying it in his own words, but then we have him quoting an oral tradition. What else do we have? Yeah, well, we also have in Acts, uh, this is um, 10, uh, Acts chapter 10. uh, Basically, we see that Jesus appeared, the disciples saw him, and he ate and drank with them. Yeah, and this is from a, a, a sermon that Peter's giving in Acts 10, 39 through 43, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. And so this, again, is oral tradition because it's older than the book of Acts because we know Luke is quoting yes, yes. an old sermon that Peter gave yes. uh, because it's different and, and everyone agrees that this mm-hmm. this sermon of Peter predates the book of Acts. And, and well, what's crazy is, uh, again, we, we keep mentioning uh, this guy, but Bart Ehrman, who is the agnostic scholar, uh, of the New Testament, uh, he would agree that this creed uh, 
predates to the 30s AD. Yeah, he agrees that yeah. this is an oral tradition. Like yeah. this is yeah, like this <laughs> is he agrees on the time time frame of this. So that that's yep. that's really important. So that's early that's an early verifiable source that the disciples had Jesus appear to them. Yep, so you've got Paul saying it in his own words. You've got they the oral it, yes. tradition in 1 Corinthians 15. You've got the oral tradition embedded in Peter's sermon in yeah. Acts. But in addition <coughs> to those three, we also have written tradition. Yes, right? written tradition. So we have the Gospels. We have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. All of these were written in the first century, and all of them record that Jesus rose from the dead and appeared to his disciples. And they actually all correlate with that early um, Christian creed in 1 Corinthians 15, because it talks about the order he showed up to people in, and it's the same order uh, that's listed in, in the Gospels. So we have all four of the Gospels mm. um, that point to, uh, that, that are independent sources, right? Um, we talked about how they're counted as independent sources. There's actually five independent sources within the four Gospels because there's Mark, there's Matthew's unique stuff, Luke's unique stuff, John, but then there's also another source that Matthew and Luke use that's called the Q source. Um, mm. So there's actually five independent sources in the in the Gospels. But yes, we have yes. a few that talk about the disciples saying he appeared to them. It's, that's, in, um, that's in all of the uh, uh, Gospels except for Mark, right? Because remember at the end of Mark, the women saw him and then they ran away. Yeah, that's right. Nothing we just to talked no one. about that. Yep. And then there's not, uh, there's not the, um, the long ending of Mark is bogus and it's not original. But it'll be bracketed off in your Bible anyway to tell you that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but the other ones all claim that the disciples saw Jesus, right? Yeah. So we have the Gospels. We also have Acts, which is the sequel to the Gospel of Luke. And it also records Jesus rose from the dead and appeared to his disciples because you have the ascension happening in there, right? Um, the other thing that's interesting in Acts, in Acts, in Acts 6 7, it says that the word of God kept on spreading, and the number of the disciples continued to increase greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests were becoming obedient to the faith, which is saying the enemies of Jesus <laughs> were converting to Christianity based on the evidence, which is really, really cool. So we've got. The, go- the written tradition, the Gospels and Acts, but then we also have uh, extra-biblical material from the Apostolic Fathers. Mm. So Clement, who was a bishop of Rome, uh, he lived from 30 AD to 100 AD. Um, he uh, may have been the Clement who's referred to in Philippians 4.3, but we're not entirely sure, but he lived during that same time. Okay. Uh, he wrote a letter to the church at Corinth around 95 AD. All right, so around the same time that that John was writing uh, the Gospel of John and Revelation, uh, Clement wrote a letter to the church at Corinth, um, but we don't have it, (laughs) which is a bummer. But in 185, Irenaeus gave us some information about what Clement's letter said. So 90 years later, Irenaeus still had access to it, and this is what he says Clement said in in his work, okay? This is the quote. Clement was allotted the bishopric. This man, as he had seen the blessed apostles and had been conversant with them, might be said to have the preaching of the apostles still echoing and their traditions before his eyes. Nor was he alone, for there were many still remaining who had received instructions from the apostles. In the time of this, Clement, no small dissensions having occurred among the brethren at Corinth, the church in Rome dispatched a most powerful letter to the Corinthians. So Clement 
was taught by the apostles, mm. right? He was taught by the apostles, and he still had their preaching ringing and echoing in his ears, their traditions before his eyes, right? Yeah. Around 200 AD, Tertullian, who is an African church father, wrote this. For this is the manner in which the apostolic churches transmit their registers. As the church of Smyrna, which records that Polycarp was placed therein by John, as also the church of Rome, which makes Clement to have been ordained in a like manner by Peter. So what he's saying is that Peter ordained Clement to take the church at Rome. And that John, the Apostle John, uh, had uh, Polycarp uh, take the church at Smyrna, right? Yeah. So, yeah. It, so here's the deal. If Clement had been with Peter and learned from him, we can deduce that Clement's teachings resemble those of Peter. Yeah, Does yeah, that, that makes sense. sense. And the same with Polycarp. If Polycarp had been with John, we can deduce that his teachings would resemble what John taught him. Okay, okay. yeah, right. So we've established that. So Clement states in his letter to the Corinthian church, quote, Therefore, having received orders and complete certainty caused by the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ and believing in the word of God, they went with the Holy Spirit's certainty preaching the good news that the kingdom of God is about to come. Now, who was the they? It was the disciples. Yeah. Clement is saying, this is what happened. These guys believed Jesus rose from the dead, and they went around preaching it. Yeah, so again, another written testimony. Yes. Outside. From a disciple of one of the disciples. Yeah, yeah. Yep, but it's not in the Bible. It's extra biblical. Yeah, so th- but that's, that's important. It's crucial to have multiple independent sources. Yes, right. from the first century. Yeah, yeah, and this is early, early, early. We have another one, Polycarp, right, who, who we mm-hmm. just talked about was a disciple of yes. John, okay? So this is what Arrhenius says about Polycarp. But Polycarp also was not only instructed by apostles and conversed with many who had seen Christ, but was also by apostles in Asia appointed the bishop of the church in Smyrna, whom I also saw in my early youth. So Irenaeus is saying he saw Polycarp in person. Mm. For he tarried on earth a very long time, and when a very old man, gloriously and most nobly suffering martyrdom, departed this life, having always taught the things which he had learned from the apostles. So there it is again. Mm. Polycarp taught what he had learned from John and the other apostles. Yeah. Polycarp, in a letter to the Philippians, says this. He, he says this about Paul and about the other apostles. Quote, For they did not love the present age, but him who died for our benefit and for our sake was raised by God. Wow. So yeah. Polycarp's assessment of Paul and the disciples was that they believed Jesus rose from the dead. Yes, yes. So do you and see, we, we have nine independent sources within Scripture and the oral traditions in Paul, in the Gospels, in Acts. But in addition to that, we have two extra biblical um, writers saying yeah. that the disciples believed Jesus rose from the dead. Yeah, that's a big deal. That's that's multiple pieces of evidence. Yes, that multiple that independent yeah. sources that's happened. So, so point number one: the mm. disciples all claimed Jesus rose from the dead and appeared to them. Yes, yes. But does that mean they believed it? How could we know they really believed it? They're yeah, saying yeah, so it, that's the question. but how right. can we know they believed it? Yeah, right? how do we know they believed that's it? That's the second point. Right, right. And so, um, I mean, we know because Acts records their sufferings. Like, we have uh, multiple accounts throughout Scripture where the disciples 
suffered on behalf of Christ. Mm-hmm. On kind behalf of like of right away, right? Yeah. Like right after his yeah. ascension, they start yeah. suffering. And I mean, I know last week we talked about Paul uh, mm-hmm. and uh, his sufferings, which uh, you'll come to find that the rest of the disciples, it was pretty similar. Uh, like, like in Acts 1, we just have multiple recordings of sufferings, but then also, I mean, just throughout... Uh, Acts 4, we can see that Peter and John are arrested and imprisoned. In mm-hmm. Acts 5, the apostles were arrested in prison and flogged. And then in Acts 12, James, the brother of John, is martyred and Peter is imprisoned. Yeah, remember that James is the first one of the 12 disciples to get killed. Yeah. And it yeah. happens halfway through Acts. Yeah, that's it, it's yeah. crazy. Yeah. And so so they're getting killed, beaten, and imprisoned and arrested in like uh, like just all sorts of persecution is happening to them over this. Yep. And and why? Why? And yeah. why would you stick with it? I've thought about this a lot. Like okay, right. like maybe okay, like let's just pretend they made it up. I don't believe that, but let's just pretend they did. They're making it up and um they're having some fun and they're thinking they're going to start a cult. Uh but then James the son of Zebedee, right? John's mm-hmm. brother uh, gets killed. At that point, wouldn't the rest of the 11 go Okay, okay, hold on, hold on. This is getting too serious. Wait a second here. Yeah, look, look, look. We didn't want any bloodshed. <laughs> yes. Yeah. We don't want alone. any trouble. We'll back off. Yeah. But we didn't. It intensified their preaching. They just kept going more and more and more until all of them died. Yeah, what's crazy, I mean, okay, just a little bit of a side side note here. Mm-hmm. You tend to find that with other religions and other cults, that whenever they're faced under persecution, they run away. Yeah, they do. That's true. Like, think about it, like Joseph Smith. Uh, throughout the history of the Mormon Church, when mm-hmm. he when he founded Mormonism, every single time that he was under persecution, he fled. Yeah, he, he just kept, kept going, going further to west. A town. Yeah, yeah further true. west in the United States. But when the apostles were under persecution, they didn't flee. They well, I mean, they ran to protect themselves, but they weren't they weren't running away from the danger. They were running into places <clears throat> where they knew there would be danger, and they even went to the people who they knew were persecuting them. Mm-hmm trying to share with them and bear witness that they believe that Jesus had resurrected. Yeah, I mean, Peter went to Rome, which is like the, the belly of the beast, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's the place where, like, no, like, Jesus so you is see, Lord. If you see, if we're seeing examples, uh, I know I just listed one, but like if we know that like this happens with people who are trying to, who, who are spreading something that isn't true, that they... Mm-hmm. They run away in fear. They concede and say, no, you know what? Look, this is this is getting too serious. I don't want any trouble. And they back away. Mm-hmm. But like the, the apostles, they were willing to die for this because they're like, look, you know what? I, I, I just know inwardly like this is true. This is well, what happened. And, and I would like, even go further than that, Tyler, because not only did they not run away like the Mormons, but they also didn't fight back like the Muslims. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's the other side of it is that they weren't yeah. advancing militarily. No. They weren't conquering land. They were helping people believe truth. Yeah. And so that's very different. Yeah, you're being persecuted for it. You're not fleeing persecution. You're running into it, but you're also not fighting back with the sword. Yeah, yeah. And I I just wanted to kind of backtrack a little and think about that Mm -hmm. for a second to think, okay, well, if this is how people normally react, why didn't the apostles react in that way? Mm -hmm. Right? For people who, I mean, for people who are convinced in believing, uh, who are... Faking something is what I'm saying here. If they were faking it, why would they go to this point to the extent that they did? Yeah. Well, you wouldn't, I don't think. Yeah. So, yeah. They, so they must have really believed I mean, it because they were willing to suffer. I don't know why you would. It. Yeah. And yeah so, let's continue talking about how right, we know yeah. they suffered. Right. And so we see here uh, Clement of Rome. Uh, there, we have a quote here by him where he says, uh, 
Um, through envy and jealousy, the greatest and most righteous pillars of the church have been persecuted and put to death. Let us set before our eyes the illustrious apostles, uh, the illustrious apostles, and Peter, through unrighteous envy, endured not one or two, but numerous labors. And when he had length at length, when he had at length suffered martyrdom, uh, departed to the place of glory due to him. Owning, uh, sorry, owing to envy, Paul also obtained the reward of patient endurance after being seven times thrown into captivity, compelled to flee in stone, and after preaching both in the East and the West, he gained the illustrious reputation due to his faith, having thought, uh, having taught righteousness to the whole world and come to the extreme limit of the West and suffered martyrdom under the prefects. Thus, was he removed from the world and went into the holy place, having proved himself a striking example of patience. So, so again, this is another uh, piece of evidence from an outside source saying that the apostles, and then he includes Paul in there, which we talked about last week. Yeah, and Peter. And, and yeah. Peter, yeah, of course. Yeah, I, yeah, you see, we can see here through his quote that he is verifying that, yes, the apostles they converted because like to this point to where they believed that Jesus resurrected from the dead and they were willing to die for it and yeah, suffer for it. They were willing to become martyrs yeah, for it. Yeah. They were. And so so that I think that that's another good point of evidence for how we know that they believed it is because other people are confirming saying mm-hmm. yeah, I know that these guys believed it because they suffered for it. They were willing yeah. to die for yeah, it. Yeah, they were yeah. willing to die for it. Well, and it's not just important. like we have the one quote from Clement. Like we so we have the recordings yeah, in Acts. Yeah. We have we have Clement, oh, of course, yeah. but we also have Ignatius, the bishop of the church in Antioch. Uh, so, so Ignatius, he uh, he was on his way actually to his own martyrdom, <laughs> and he wrote seven letters, uh, six to churches, and then he wrote one to his friend Polycarp, who was the disciple of John. And in this letter to Polycarp, this is what Ignatius says. And when Jesus came to those with Peter, he said to them, Take, handle me, and see that I'm not a bodiless demon. And immediately they handled him, and they believed, having known his flesh and blood. Because of this, they also despised death, but beyond death they were found. Mm. So according to Ignatius, it's the fact that Jesus resurrected and said, hey, touch my body, I'm alive, I'm here, that they were willing to despise death, which means they got killed for what they believed, right? But they didn't care because they knew Jesus rose from the dead. So you've got Clement, you've got Ignatius, you've got the book of Acts. Also, Tertullian, just prior to 200 AD, he wrote this, um, that Paul is beheaded has been written in their own blood. And if a heretic wishes his confidence to rest upon a public record, the archives of the empire will speak as would the stones of Jerusalem. We read the lives of the Caesars. At Rome, Nero was the first who stained with blood the rising faith, Then is Peter girt by another when he is made fast to the cross. Mm. Then does Paul obtain a birth suited to Roman citizenship when in Rome he springs to life again, ennobled by martyrdom. So Tertullian's claiming that Peter was crucified, that Paul was beheaded, because that's the type of punishment that a Roman citizen would have, all during the reign of Nero. And Nero reigned from 54 to, uh, to 68 A.D., so most probably they were martyred around 64 AD. That was the year of the Great Fire in Rome. And you remember Nero blamed the yeah, Christians yeah. for the Great Fire. Uh, and as a result of blaming them, uh, killed a lot of them. Um, and we learned that according to the Roman historian Tacitus. 
Yeah. So you've got yeah. you've got all of these extra biblical quotes about their martyrdom. Again, Origen. Uh, he lived from 185 to 254, and in his work, Contra Celsum, which was an apologetics work, uh, he said, Jesus, who has both once risen himself and led his disciples to believe in his resurrection, and so thoroughly persuaded them of its truth, that they show to all men by their sufferings how they are able to laugh at all the troubles of life, beholding the life eternal and the resurrection clearly demonstrated to them both in word and deed. They died because they knew Jesus rose from the dead, and they yeah, saw yeah. it, and they understood it, right? Uh, Eusebius is known as the first church historian, and his, in his ecclesiastical history, he writes that Dionysus of Corinth, Tertullian, and Origen all record the martyrdoms of Peter and Paul. Mm. Now, we don't have those writings, but we have Eusebius saying that he had them. And, and quoting and, and talking about the martyrdoms of Peter and Paul. He also cites Josephus, Hegesippus, and Clement of Alexandria that they all recorded the martyrdom of James, Jesus' brother. So, yeah. so you've got this consistent uh, line that they all suffered and died for the belief that Jesus rose from the dead. Yeah, yeah. And so why would the disciples be willing to die for something that they would know to be a lie? Yeah, that's the question, right? right? If they made this up, yeah. What would possess you to die for a lie? Yeah, it, <laughs> it doesn't I mean, make a lot of sense. And, and this question alone, th- this question has led many to conclude that they believe Jesus had risen from the dead and appeared to them. Yeah, because what's the other explanation? Yeah, like, like, and it's the same thing with, with what we talked about last week with Paul. I mean, in, included with this, it's like if you're appear if if they were willing to die and suffer for something uh, to this extent, then they clearly believed it like there's it's hard to get around that and so it is yes so uh there is an objection to this though is that some will say that the followers of all types of religions are willing to suffer and die for their beliefs but this does not prove that their beliefs are true and and we'd agree with that right yeah i would say yeah just because a muslim is willing to strap a bomb to his chest and die doesn't make islam true right yeah uh, so that doesn't make it true right i'm with you on that so so that's that's a crucial point to it uh but it is the disciples' willingness to suffer and die for, for their beliefs that indicates that they certainly regarded those beliefs to be true. Yeah, it doesn't make them true because they believed them, but it shows us they really did believe yeah, they were true. Yeah, That's it's, what we're getting at. Yeah, that's the point. And so it just kind of shows that it's really unlikely that they lied about the appearance of Jesus. Of Jesus before them because because <laughs> yeah. liars make horrible martyrs. <laughs> yeah, you wouldn't die for it. You'd back yeah. out. Okay, I'm sorry. I give. I'll talk. I'll tell you. Yeah. It was all Luke's yeah. idea, or it was all you know yeah, like, Thomas's I mean, idea. They were tortured yeah. and beaten. And if you're going through that, <laughs> and if you're in shock and like panicking from the pain that you're going through, yeah, you would give it up. You just and, say yeah. And what? Why would you? Why would you keep pushing a lie? You you would only do it to get something. Yeah. And it's usually sex, power, or money. Mm-hmm. And they didn't get any of that. They just got killed, but to their dying breath, they all were claiming Jesus rose from the dead. What would make you do that? Well, they must have really believed it. Doesn't mean that it happened, but they really believed it. I'm thinking that it's just that they genuinely believe that this happened. Yeah, because— And that's the point. When when they're all being persecuted and being attacked, it's like you you just see that they're just like, you know what? This is is really, really important to them because clearly if they're willing to die for it, they must have genuinely thought that this is true. Well, and that's right? the point. Yeah. Th- yes, that's the point. This argument doesn't prove the resurrection happened, but it does It does make you stop and think, what made these guys believe this was true? Because clearly they believed it. They claimed that it happened. 
and they all backed it up with their life. So they mm. believed it. What could have changed them from being the types of people they were before the resurrection into yeah. being these emboldened guys who were willing to die for the claim Jesus rose from the dead? Mm-hmm. That is the question. Now, some people you know, will say, well, Muslims, Buddhists, atheists, they all commit extreme acts of devotion, right? Just because the disciples died for their belief, it doesn't mean that it's true. There's all types of examples of this around. Mm-hmm. And I would say, no, there, there aren't types of this example around. This is kind of—the disciples dying for their belief is somewhat of a unique—and it's, it's different than, than even other types of Christian martyrs, yeah. okay? It's different because of this. There's an important difference between the apostles' martyrdom and those who die for even Christianity today. Mod- modern martyrs are willing to die— because they trust in beliefs that other people have taught them. Even me, like if I died for Christianity, I'm dying based upon what Scripture says and the witness of the disciples, right? Yeah. The apostles didn't die based on what other people had taught them. The apostles died for holding to their own testimony that they had personally seen the risen Jesus. Yeah. That's different. That's different than a suicide bomber today, right? It is, yeah. Who's dying based on what Muhammad has taught. Mm -hmm. That's not why they died. They died based on what they had personally seen in the risen Jesus. Contemporary martyrs die for what they believe to be true, the apostles died for what they knew was true. Yeah. It's very different. They they had the primary evidence versus I'm being taught this from somebody else. Yeah, that's important. So that's it's really important. And then the other thing I, I always find fascinating is that we don't possess any records of the apostles recanting their beliefs while they were being tortured. Yeah. There's not one account that, oh, this guy wimped out and we let him live. Not one. All of the accounts unanimously agree that they died for their belief that Jesus rose from the dead. Yeah, yeah. And so uh, so that's really important to just think through that they were <laughs> that they were believing it up to the point of torture and death. Mm-hmm. But then um, with these criteria in mind, it's kind of no wonder that like that an atheist scholar, Gerd Luderman, he says in his quote, he says, it may be taken as historically certain that Peter and the disciples had experiences after Jesus's death in which Jesus appeared to them as the risen Jesus. And what's crazy is, Robbie, weren't you telling me that Luderman, he's an atheist, right? Yeah, he's a German New Testament scholar. Brilliant. He's done a lot of great work. Right. But yeah, he, he agrees that the disciples believed Jesus appeared to them. Yeah. After his death. In this quote, like, he's <laughs> because like, the historical evidence is so strong. But he says, uh, not just the, like agreement, he's just saying right here, he's making a verifiable objective fact claim here in, in the beginning of this quote by saying, it may be taken as historically certain. Yeah. Now, he would yeah. say, I don't think Jesus rose from the dead. Right. Yeah, right, I right, just right. think the disciples had some kind of experience in which Jesus appeared to them. Yeah, yeah, and that's yeah. that's huge. Like it's the, huge coming from an atheist, right? Yes. Well, yes. I have another quote. Um, this is from Paula Fredrickson. She's an atheist uh, at Boston University, New Testament scholar, uh, and this is what she says: I know in their own terms what they saw was the raised Jesus. Mm-hmm. That's what they say, and then all the historic evidence we have afterwards attests to their conviction that that's what they saw. I'm not saying that they really did see the raised Jesus. I wasn't there. I don't know what they saw. 
But I do know that as a historian, that they must have seen something. <laughs> that's powerful. A, that's a powerful quote. It, it, and yeah. it's because the historical evidence is so strong. Because think about this. Yeah. Th- think about it from a skeptic standpoint. These men turned the world upside down. Mm. They went. They they spread this religion all over the known Roman Empire. Yeah. And it changed culture. And you know, uh, uh, what two hundred and fifty years after they started spreading this this religion, uh, the Roman Empire becomes Christianized. Yeah. And Christian Europe comes, and Western culture is built based on this. I mean, so from a skeptic's mindset, you go, "What happened to these fishermen from Galilee?" That would make them turn the world upside down. Something had to have happened. Yeah, and so— And that's what, that's what they're saying. Yeah, and so, so that's the importance of this whole argument that we're making here is that we have verifiable evidence that says that the disciples of Jesus believed that they saw him after he had resurrected. Mm-hmm. And we, we know they didn't just say it, but they must have actually believed it because yeah. they were willing to die for it. And be tortured for it, yeah. Yep, and so that's the question many of us uh, have and, and many of us need to wrestle with is what could have happened to them to yeah. make them yeah. claim that and to make them die for that claim. Yeah. And, and I so- think the best answer is that it happened. Jesus really did rise from the dead. Again, it's a cumulative argument, right? What yes, could cause yes. Paul to convert? What could cause Jesus' brothers to believe he was God? What could cause his disciples to take this message around the world and face torture and death? What is the reason the tomb was empty? All of this stuff, the one answer that makes sense of all of it is that Jesus did rise from the dead. Yeah, yeah. And it it's so important to have this as a piece of evidence in our faith and see, like, you know what, like, that, again— uh, this verifies further that there's historical evidence that we have to to see that the resurrection of Jesus actually occurred mm-hmm. from from atheist historians. Yeah, from atheist historians. Yeah. Uh, all the, like those two quotes we read at the end right there. Both of those were from atheists, mm-hmm. and they said that yes, the disciples had to have believed. And, and that I have they a lot. Him. I have a lot of other quotes from others, uh, but we we didn't, we you know. We yeah, yeah, right. Right, 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 right. Day, of course, there's there's plenty. Like it's yep. not just this. This isn't all we have. There's so much out there. There's so much, and yeah. so that's that's what we're hoping that that this resurrection series is is helping you with as a Christian. We're we're yes. hoping that you can have confidence in your faith. And that you can um, be able to express to other people what the truth of Scripture is and what the truth of Jesus' resurrection is. And if you're a skeptic out there, you need to seriously consider these claims because this isn't just a Christian idea. Uh, This is historical. And uh, if you throw out the history that we're doing here and that, that Paula Fredrickson and that Gerd Ludeman have done, you, you have to virtually throw out all history as yeah. we can't ever know anything that happened in the past, yeah. which is a claim that you know that you can't know, <laughs> which you need to prove to me why that's possible. Yeah, but, that's important. But Jesus did rise from the dead. All evidence points to the resurrection of Jesus. And that's yeah. why, you know, I, I was thinking about a lot this past Easter, Tyler, just... It, it's it's a it's a faith that I, it's a trust that I have based on phenomenal evidence, and mm. Jesus left us phenomenal evidence because it's the most important thing that we need to trust. Right? Yeah, right, it verifies he is who he said he is. That what his message was is something that we should really listen to. Because if he has the power to come back from the dead, if God would mm-hmm. would verify his ministry by showing him risen from the dead, he's somebody to take seriously. 
and to trust and to listen to. And so that's what I implore you to do if you're a skeptic out there listening. Um, take seriously the claims of Jesus. Read through the book of John, the Gospel of John, and think about the things Jesus says and see that he he talks about you can be saved for all eternity mm. if you trust in him. He who believes the Son has life, right? If you believe that Jesus died on the cross for you, your sins are forgiven, and you have eternal life. And as John 3.16 says, right, uh, or John 3 says, you're born again, right? You can be born again by belief in yeah. Jesus, and that's how we can be with God for all eternity. So please take seriously the claims of Jesus. Yeah, yeah, that's so, so crucial. And then, uh, again, um, just for any skeptics out there, and then for Christians, non-Christians as well, like who are listening to this podcast, we uh, we hope that this has been encouraging to you and that you've uh, been able to just see clearly that there's just a lot of evidence throughout the past couple weeks for the resurrection. And uh, again, we haven't even scratched the surface of what there is out there on yeah, we barely scratch the surface on even these topics yeah. that we're talking about, yeah. uh, let alone just the resurrection in general. And so, um, uh, and again, that's our goal with this podcast is we want to equip Christians to be able to defend their faith and be confident in their faith. And so, uh, again, we just really hope that this has been an encouragement to you. And again, um, please, and then if you have any questions about uh, Jesus and the resurrection and uh, anything related to scripture or anything at all, please, um, don't hesitate to contact and reach out to us. Uh, you can email us at ChristCultureCoffee at gmail.com, or you can follow our Instagram page and send us a direct message, and we'd be more than happy to answer any questions that you might have. Mm-hmm. So, For sure. If you do have questions, please send them in. We love to yeah. hear from you and hear what you're thinking, uh, and it helps us even to, to think differently, and, and we want to answer questions people have. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yep. And so uh, thanks again for listening, and uh, we hope to have you guys be listening next week uh, as we continue on our Resurrection series. Yep, thanks for listening. You have been listening to Christ, Culture, and Coffee, a podcast ministry of Desert Springs Community Church in Goodyear, Arizona. For more information, visit our website at dscchurch.com.